Over the summer, beloved listeners, we played a wonderful series of programs called The Histories of Everything, in which we uh, looked back at the histories of all sorts of things, from trench coats to crosswords and uh, to swimming and even to the handshake. And you can still find the series on the ABC Listen app. But as we are at the start of the school year, We're all going back to work or school and we thought you might enjoy another little history, the history of stationery. Stationery enthusiast James Ward has written a book called Adventures in Stationery, A Journey Through Your Pencil Case. And before we got on to uh, to highlights, glue sticks and uh, post-it notes, we started the discussion on my favourite item, the paperclip. Paperclips, I confess that I torment the things, even as I'm speaking to you now, and I hold this up so my colleagues in Sydney can see the truth of it. I am doing terrible things to a paperclip, to an innocent, to an innocent paperclip. Uh, it's odd that we have no idea who invented this remarkable device. Um, yeah, that's kind of been lost to history. There's a, there was a theory that it was developed by a Norwegian patent clerk called uh, Johan Vala, um, but his design wasn't actually the same as the paperclip as we, as we know it today, this sort of familiar double loop design. Um, and uh, that that sort of came earlier. In fact, the first time that that particular design appears in sort of the patent literature um, is for a machine which actually makes the clips rather than for the clips themselves. I, I love them because apart from you know, bending them to the point of fracture, doing a, a Yuri Geller with them night after night, the paperclip has also been an inspiring symbol of, uh, well, of courage in the face of Nazism. Uh, yeah, this goes back to Norway as well. Um, during the Second World War, people would wear paper clips on their lapels as a sort of sign of resistance. It wasn't because um, Vala was thought to have invented the paperclip. That only kind of really became widespread later. But it was, it was meant to be as a sign of, of resistance in the sense that we're all bound together. Um, and also, it's it's very easy to deny if a if a Nazi guard comes up to you and says, "Why have you got a paperclip on your lapel?" You can kind of say, "Oh, I was doing some some filing earlier, and I just put it there and forgot about it." Now, the standard gem paperclip you describe as perfect design. Um, it's it's kind of not. I wouldn't I wouldn't say perfect. It's kind of works well on all levels. It sort of manages to be com- perfectly balanced. Um, where there there are different versions and different designs and different people have modified it in different ways but each of those different tweaks comes with a a slight drawback so well the plastic ones are hopeless they just break they're no fun at all yeah exactly or or some of them are sort of easier to get on but then they scratch the paper so there's always these this sort of balance between um something which is maybe excels in one level but then falls down on another whereas the gem sort of manages somehow to be kind of like eight out of ten on all criteria well very few things in life are eight out of ten I have no, to yeah say. we should just aim for eight out of ten now although this is a family program let's i want to you know get a bit a bit risque and talk about highlighters tell me about highlighters <laughs> um well the the sort of the famous the most famous um highlighter in the world is the stabilo boss um, which has this very iconic uh, fat and flat shape, um, which actually came about by accident. Um, Gunther Schoenhauser, who was the uh, head of development um, in charge of uh, 
in charge of the highlighter project. He wanted the pen to have a really unique shape. And so his team of designers made clay models of different concepts. And they came up with one sort of conical design where it was tapered at one end. And they were really convinced that this was the design that Gunter was going to go for. And they showed it to him and he was like, mm, I'm not sure, I don't really like it. And then just out of sheer frustration, one of the designers slammed his fist onto the clay model and created the, the fat and flat shape that we know now. <laughs> well, of course, that stops it rolling off the table, doesn't it? So it, it was yeah, a moment of accidental inspiration. It's actually the ideal shape um, for the for the job. I think that I'm, I'm an atheist, but I think that suggests some sort of divine intervention. <laughs> Tell us about, let's go into the world of, of adhesives now. Tell us about the glue stick. Um, well, according to Henkel, uh, legend has it that there was um, a guy called Wolfgang Dierichs who was boarding a plane. And um, while he was on the plane, he, he sort of had this uh, sort of breakthrough, this incredible moment of discovery. He was watching a woman, uh, so they claim he was watching a woman applying lipstick. And he s saw the lipstick and thought, hmm... Mm. That form could have a, a different use if you replace the lipstick with a stick of solid glue. Um, then there you go. They've, that's and that, the, that that's how the Pritt stick was. To the so-called Pritt stick in 1969. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I, but I learned from you that enough Pritt sticks have been sold to leave a line of adhesive extending from the Earth past our satellite, the Moon, onto Mars, and then all the way back again. Uh, well, that's according to Henkel. I'm not quite sure how they calculated that, but um, I'm sure they've done their sums. Now, most inventions are, are made in order to solve a problem. Necessity, the mother of invention, famously. But the inventors of the, of the post-it note actually spent years trying to figure out a use for the damn things. Um, yeah, there was this guy called Spent Silver who was working at 3M in their adhesives division, and he was trying to develop a really strong glue but got the formula slightly wrong and instead created a very, very weak glue, which um, obviously if, if you're in the business of selling glue, that's not really <laughs> ideal. Um, and uh, another one of his colleagues was a guy called Art Fry, who as well as working at 3M uh, was in a, a choir in his spare time and he used to use little bits of paper to um, sort of mark the, the pages in his hymn book, but um, every so often the bits of paper would fall out and he was kind of thinking to himself, oh, if only there were some sort of weak glue that I could use. And then he suddenly thought, oh, what was that thing that Spence had? <laughs> and then they, that's how, that's how the post-it note was I was, must confess that uh, my copy of Adventures and Stationery, A Journey Through Your Pencil Case by Your Good Self, is absolutely uh, full of post-it notes, addressing <laughs> my attention to various tits and bits. Yeah. Well, I consider that a very uh, fine um, honour. Look, I, I've got a personal favourite. I love, I love it. Blue tack. In fact, I, I often eat it. I find it not only useful but delicious. Tell us about blue tack. Uh, well, in fact, the, the blue colouring was added to prevent people from thinking it was chewing gum so it, i mean obviously it hasn't quite worked i'm colour blind <laughs> <laughs> um but um that that's another thing where it was sort of developed by accident it was some people who were trying to um develop a kind of sealant putty um and they as they were sort of experimenting with different formulas they got got it wrong and produced this strange lumpy stuff um, and they didn't really know what it was for they didn't really know what to use it for and then they sort of realized that you could stick posters up on walls in student flats and um yeah so now we've got we've got post-it um uh blue tack 
Yes, you're mixing up your categories here. <laughs> but, I am, I'm getting a yes. confused. Okay, well, the trouble with blue tech is that it does finally lose its adhesion and, you know, I often rely on it to stick little pictures up on the wall and every now and again you hear a crash because, you know, blue tech gives up on you. It, it, it lacks, I think, the tenacity that it should have. Uh, given that we live in this age of electronic communication, are we perhaps reaching the end of the era of stationery? Um, well, I certainly hope not. Um, as a stationary enthusiast, I'd like to see it stick around for a bit longer. Um, but I don't think that we are. I mean, there was the, the recent example of um, Sony Pictures where they had all their emails hacked. And as a result, they had to start using paper and pen because um, it's obviously a lot more secure. It's a lot harder to, to hack into um, a piece of paper um, although anyone who's sort of kept a teenage diary under their bed knows that they're not 100% secu uh, secure. I was singing your praises at the beginning of the program by talking about your blog, I Like Boring Things, and you hold an annual boring conference. Describe what happens at the conference. Uh, well, boring is a one-day celebration of the mundane, the ordinary, the obvious and the overlooked. So we have people talking about a variety of different things which on the surface might appear sort of mundane or boring or, or pointless or trivial. But when you look at them in much more detail, they sort of reveal hidden beauty. For example? Um, well, we've had people talking about all sorts of things. We've had people talking about milk, um, electric hand dryers, the noises made by vending machines. Uh, we had a guy called Peter Fletcher who counts his sneezes. Um, so every time for the oh, last... Oh, no, you can't say sneezes are boring. They're almost orgasmic. They're, well, yeah. No, I can't cop sneezes as boring. I love a good sneeze. He, well, uh, Peter loves them even more. For the last seven years, every time he sneezed, he's written down in a notebook the time, the date, where he was, what he was doing, and a measure of strength from mild, moderate, moderate to strong, strong and very strong. Do you think we, you can let me have his phone number off air because we've got to get him on the program. This, this, could, uh, be, this could be a breakthrough for the Antipodes because I don't think sneezing is sufficiently appreciated down here. Okay, yeah. so that's one. Keep going because... This conference of yours sounds absolutely vital. Um, we've got people talking about uh, the little panels of text that you get in museums and galleries. We've got someone talking about these things called mount weasels, which I'd never heard no, of before. No, I haven't heard of those. What the hell are That's, they? That is um, when people are compiling dictionaries, they include false words or false definitions so that then if those words appear in other dictionaries, ah, then they know that they've copied them they've from them. They've been plagiarised. How interesting. So it, it appears in dictionaries, encyclopedias, roadmaps. You can't trust anything. Have uh, you everything got any is in your book? Um, any mistakes that anyone sees, I'm going to insist that they were deliberate, they were deliberate. for that very reason. Right, right. Okay. It's the Mount Weasel defence. Project into the future. You insist that these things are going to keep happening. Uh, can you? Do you sit around and try and think up stationary items for a hypothetical tomorrow? Um, well, you do see sort of like these interesting hybrids of technology or sort of modern technology and more traditional stationery. So there are pens that have little inbuilt cameras into them so they can track what you're writing and then upload it online. Um, so I, I think those sort of hybrid technologies are probably where we're headed. Tell me this, has anyone improved on the eraser? They're, they're deliciously sort of boring little things, but they're very important. 
Um, yeah, I mean, before the sort of vulcanization of rubber, um, people used to use bits of stale bread um, to erase pencil lines. But Did they? Um, <laughs> yeah, so you can just imagine all of these artists being chased by hungry ducks. Um, and then, <laughs> then uh, sort of people started using uh, this gum elastic. And when it was realized that you could rub out lines, it sort of got, that's where it got the name rubber. Then along comes whiteout, and that you know that's that's not the same thing yeah. at all, is it? I tell you, I'm terribly fond of the rubber band. Do you share my um, affection for the rubber band? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the the sort of potential arsenal of, of stationary related weaponry, um, the rubber band is one of the one of the key players, I'd say. What colour are rubber bands in in Britain? In Australia, the post office here uses sort of pink rubber bands. Um, the more general ones that you use gen, uh, day-to-day tend to be sort of a muddy brown, but the post office use uh, red. Uh, the invention of the light bulb. You cite the example of candles following the invention of that uh, that device. Um, yeah, this is sort of this idea that um, as a new technology gets, or as an old technology gets replaced, um, the flaws in that technology kind of become the charm of it. So, for example, when nowadays, now that we've got electric lighting, if you eat dinner by candlelight, you kind of think, oh, this is sort of nice and romantic. But in the days when you only had candlelight, you weren't thinking, oh, this is romantic. You're thinking, this is a bit gloomy. I can't really see my dinner. Um, And it's the same with sort of uh, vinyl. Like now people talk about the pop and crackle of vinyl as being like the warmth of 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 it but before we had these digital alternatives you weren't thinking oh this sounds nice and warm you're thinking oh i have to get up and turn it over again james you've overexcited me you're about to blow the fuse on my pacemaker thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much for your time james ward uh adventures in stationery a journey through your pencil case published by profile books Sadly, it appears that James Ward's boring conference has uh, been a casualty of COVID, but if you would like to hear more history of everything, you can find the collection on the ABC Listen app. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.